so glad that you're here and today we are going to be talking about technology now you may be saying to yourself if you are someone who's listened to this podcast for a long time that hey andrew didn't you record a podcast about technology not like that long ago to which i would say back yes but we're living with such new things new technologies in this world. We're trying to figure out how to be in right relationship to it, and I could probably record an episode on technology every week. I try not to have like a finished perspective on all of this. I try to allow myself to to move and be a little bit fluid with how I feel about these things. And then you might say back to me, Andrew, that's fantastic, but I'm going to assume that you re-listened to your episode about technology before going to record this episode, to which I would say back to you, I can't go back and listen to episodes I recorded a year and a half ago. I would be flooded with shame and doubt and insecurities that would leave me a crumpled mess and unable to record this podcast today. To which you might say back to me, Andrew, are you simply emotionally manipulating us to make space for and to rationalize your own laziness? To which I would say back to you, sure, but you need to get off my back about it and let's dive into this episode about technology. And to start, I want to say I do not, like I was saying earlier, have any firm formulated opinions on these things. I think that this issue is actually really, really, really complicated. And so my goal is going to be to at least frame the two poles that I bounce between when I'm thinking about technology and when I'm thinking about kids and technology and I'm thinking about the families that I work with in technology. And those two poles are more or less one that is a little bit more laissez-faire, that's uh, trying to make space for the fact that kids have this natural inclination towards wanting to use these things and that we have to honor that in some kind of a way and we have to respect that in some kind of a way and see that as part of their journey, which is different than our journey when we were kids. And there's another part of me that's like, yeah, all this technology stuff, it's rotting kids' brains, it's really fucked up, and we can't be just letting kids roll with their own relationship with these things, that these things are addictive, that these things can be dangerous to emotional well-being, and so need to be regulated and controlled in some kind of a way inside of the home environment. And I could feel either one of those things at any given point in time. But I also want to try to see if there's a middle ground, and that middle ground between those two poles will look different for every family. So I want to start off by naming that the discourse around technology can be a little bit fear-based, and I'm not trying to add another fear-based perspective in this podcast, but it should be noted that when radio first came out, it was recommended by scientists, by the science of that time, that you should only allow your child to listen to the radio for 30 minutes a day, otherwise it would be rotting their brains. It should also be noted that comic books were banned in 1954 because comic books were seen as also rotting the brains of children. There was a war on comic books. So what happens is anytime that children are introduced to a new technology, introduced to a new media, introduced to something new in terms of the way they take something in, we could even talk about television and violent television, which was part of the discourse with children, at least when I was growing up. But anytime something new comes into the equation, as adults and as people 
in society, we have kind of a fear-based reaction to it. And we even come up with science that says that these things are not healthy for our children. Now, if you had a child today, and that child was listening to podcasts and music, and podcasts and music would, I guess, be our version of the radio, and who was reading a lot of, not comic books, because we now call them by the non-pejorative term graphic novels, and manga, manga, however you say that, if that's how they were spending their time, listening to things and reading those types of materials, I don't think you would go to a doctor or a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a therapist, and that person would pathologize that behavior and say that your child was rotting their minds. In fact, you might even have the perspective on your child that like, wow, they're really taking in information in a different kind of way and look at how much they read and all of those kinds of things, right? So the science can change, which is one of the beautiful things about science. I'm not trying to be anti-science. I like science. A lot of the anti-science people seem to be like anti-vaccine these days, right? I'm not even having a conversation about vaccines. All I want to name is that in mental health and in lots of other fields, the science can say one thing one day and another thing the next day, which is the beautiful thing about science to begin with, right? It changes and it evolves the more that we learn. And the science today seems to say that, yeah, screen time for your kids is not great for your kids. I don't know if we'll be in that same boat in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. My guess is actually that we probably won't be. But I want to name all of that to also say that here's a pickle that a lot of parents I know seem to find themselves inside of, which is that they often feel like they don't get rest from their kids. They often feel like they don't get a break from their kids. Raising children is a lot. I can relate to that. I don't even have a toddler yet, right? My kid doesn't move yet. She'll start moving soon and then it'll be a whole other thing. But so parents don't feel like they have a break. Parents don't feel like they have enough time to themselves. Parents feel like they don't have enough time for self-care and whatever other activities and things and relationships that they want to have to live the life that they would like to live. There's some sacrifice involved in parenting. Sometimes the best and easiest break for a parent to have, and if you're a parent, I bet you can relate to this, is when their child is engaged with technology. When they're watching a show, when they're playing a game, when they're watching YouTube videos, when they're, uh, you know, those are probably the things that they're going to be doing most of the time. And so that time on technology can often be a little bit of a break for parents. But then, if you're a parent, you could get into a little bit of a bind if you also believe that your child spending time on screens is bad for them. And that's what the science seems to say. So then you're in this kind of guilty struggle where not only is that the easiest way for you as a parent to get your own time is to have your child using a device, but then your child also usually wants nothing more than to be on a device themselves. And so you would think that this could be just an easy win, right? Okay, they're on the device, I get my own time, win-win, but then we also throw in this shame and guilt involved with like, oh, but them being on the device is bad for them. And maybe it is bad for them, I don't know, but personally, I don't really buy it. I don't really buy it. Not for everybody all the time. Not some set amount of time limit for everybody all the time. I think it depends on what you're doing on the device. I think it depends on a whole, the the personality of the person involved, how much other stuff is going on in their lives, how they're doing otherwise besides not being on that device, right? If you're already kind of like an emotionally dysregulated person who struggles with transitions, it might be hard for you to transition from being the device to being off the device. That seems to happen a lot. But is it bad for everybody all the time? Is it like a stamped rule that all kids will suffer from the time they spend on devices? That this generation will be the dumbest most disconnected generation ever because they have spent more time on devices than any other generation previous to them? Is that is that what's going to happen? I don't think so. Do you think so? I don't think so. 
And I say all of that to try to take a little bit of that shame and a little bit of that guilt about your child being on a device and removing it some. Why are kids so interested in devices anyway? Well, in the course of human history, this is the first time that we have had the tools that we have at this point in time. This is the first time that someone can record themselves anywhere on the planet and be seen by someone else that's also anywhere else on the planet. This is the first time in human history that we have a device in our pockets, I'm talking about our phones, that can do amazing things. Contact anyone else who has a phone on the entire planet. Look up any piece of information. I can record myself talking and then post it online and anybody with a phone in their pockets anywhere on the planet can listen to what I've recorded. You can get your location and get a map to any other location that you want. You can buy almost any item that you would want to buy and have it shipped to your exact location. You have access to all of the information, all of the books ever written, all of the music ever recorded. It's incredible. And so it's no wonder to me that kids are so fascinated by this stuff. Even if you just take the span of human history, the amount of times that we have had things like radios, television, internet, very, very, very small. As a species, we're still figuring this stuff out. So there is a part of me that wants to honor and respect that, yeah, children today might not be roaming their neighborhoods, throwing rocks at squirrels and bullying other children or whatever we used to do back when I was a kid. I still wanted to be watching TV a lot of the time. I am glad. And we'll get to the the other side of this poll, I promise. Right now I'm doing the, uh, I guess, more pro-technology side or you don't got to be afraid of technology side. We'll get to the other side. But are children supposed to be wandering outside in child gangs? I mean, that's, I, I'm nostalgic for my childhood doing that. Does that mean that that's what kids now should be doing? I don't know. But I can respect, like, yeah, they want to be using technology. They like it. It's fascinating to them. They want to learn it. They want to figure it out. And of course they do. As a species, we need to figure out how to be in right relationship with our devices. So if we don't take individual families, if we're just zooming out to 30,000 feet and taking a look at the species as a whole, of course we're kind of obsessed with technology right now. Of course we're kind of buried in our phones right now. Of course we're always watching something right now. We're figuring this stuff out. We're figuring out how to use it. We're figuring out how to make the most of it. We're figuring out how to have it be a tool and not something that controls and manipulates us. And so that's the one pull. I understand why children, and even myself, so drawn to technology. And maybe we don't have to be as afraid of it as we are and as worried about it as we are because we're always worried about new things with children, whether it's comic books, radio, TV, internet, whatever. And there are even people, child-centered kind of parenting people that I respect who are in this like no limits with kids with technology thing, right? They're like, hey, kids can figure out their own limits with these things. We don't have to try to control them. Yes, there's still going to be boundaries and standards in your home. You're still going to do things as a family, blah, blah, blah. But trying to limit your kid's screen time creates a battle and creates energy around this battle. And then they'll always be sort of fighting you for more screen time. And I get the sentiment of that. And I believe the people who say that that system works for their family. But it makes me a little bit nervous too. So let's get to the other side of the coin. And I think I'll probably spend less time talking about the evils and woes of technology because I think that gets a lot of play in parenting advice spaces. But it's a fact that companies that make apps spend time and energy finding ways to make those apps addictive, find ways 
to try to get you to stay on those apps. Find games that try to get you to keep playing those games. Produce whatever algorithms of things so that you keep watching videos. It is true that the people who create the apps, the mediums through which we we get this information, through which we're entertained, are trying to manipulate us to use that information, to use those apps more and more and more. As adults, we're kind of powerless against that, right? I think a lot of us can say like, yeah, I spend more time on my phone than I would like to. And so kids in that scenario, they're kind of fucked, right? I don't think they have the same same kind of self-control that adults do. And adults are faring not so well with this themselves. So there's another part of me that really believes that that sort of fully child-centered philosophy with this stuff is a little bit naive. Another issue, and I'm not going to even get into like, you know, screen time, bad for your kids. Like, let's not, let's not even go there. Let's just, let's just say that screen time is part of your life with your children. If it's not at all, like props to you, cool, do your thing. But I'm assuming for you that it is. And so let's not talk about like, is it bad for the brain or things like that? I don't know. I'm not a neuroscientist. There are places where you could try to get that information. Take it with a grain of salt because science changes, but there's places you can get that kind of information. But I like um, playing games on devices. I love to play, and that is not limited to my time at work as a play therapist. And if you're an adult who is not familiar with video games, then you should be aware of the concept of a real-time video game, which is a real-time multiplayer video game, which is where you'd be playing a game with other people in other places that's all happening at the same time. And you can't pause that game because you're playing with other people from other places and you're all doing it together. And a lot of kids end up playing games like this. And when you're playing a game like that, it does not feel like there is ever a chance to stop that game once the game is going. You're moving along. It feels like other people are counting on you. For kids, technology is often a really social thing. It is a very social thing. They're playing with their friends on there a lot of times, or they're playing with people they meet around the world who become their friends. And so when they're playing a game that's happening in real time, and there's a lot of pressure, and there's a lot of things going on inside of that game, and you try to interrupt them, and you try to tell them that dinner is ready, and you try to tell them to do a chore or something like that, they're probably going to snap back at you and try to get you to be quiet, or just try to be like, yeah, 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 while they're still playing the game, they're still hooked into that space. And I think it's important for us as adults to understand that in a lot of these games that kids play, it can feel like an affront to be interrupted. My daughter's really young right now. If she ever gets into to games, video games, that kind of thing when she gets older, and that's something that we have in the house, I I mean, these things, standards are hard to put. I mean, I would try to be intentional about like, okay, if you're going to be playing this particular kind of game, great, you're going to be playing that from 4.30 to 5.30 or whatever the time is, and then we're going to do this thing after that at X time and have that be consistent every time or something like that to at least recognize like, okay, if you're doing this thing, I'm not going to ask you to not be doing this thing. You're letting me know that you're going to be busy for the next hour doing this thing with your friends. Awesome. You know, I'm not even trying to say that an hour needs to be the period of time, but at least having a set period of time where it's like, I know that if I go and interrupt you, that'll be difficult for you during this time. But then for her, it would be like, okay, I know at this time I got to get off because I can't be using this thing all the time, or my dad doesn't want me to be using this thing all the time. And there are other things to do with our day. And I don't know what the right answer is with any of this technology stuff, right? I'm constantly trying to figure out what's best for each individual family that I work with. I'll tell you some things that don't work. It seems like having, if you want your child to be controlling their relationship to technology and you give them like a video game system that's inside of their room or a gaming PC that lives inside of their room, like good luck with that. 
that's going to be challenging. And if you expect them to be like, yep, you're going to be in bed by X time every night, even though like your door is closed and we're down the hall or something and you could be playing on your gaming PC and we would never know, like good luck with that. I don't think that's going to work unless you don't give a shit about how much time they're spending on it. I think for me, even the idea of bringing a game system into my home is is intimidating. And it's also good for parents to know that you get to choose what's invited into your home. You get to choose the structure of your home and the layout of your home and where people will be playing games inside of the home and when they can be playing those games inside of the home. And you get to have whatever kind of a system you want. You also can choose to not have a video game system inside of your home. You could choose to allow your child to use technology in a way that feels good for you, in a way that really uses it as the tool that it is and not some sort of dissociative entertainment device. You can choose to explain your relationship to a technology in any way you want to. There's a lot of freedom inside of it. And with a lot of podcasts, I like to have like, ooh, a nice, tight conclusion that synthesizes everything all together. And with this stuff, it's like, I don't know. I'm figuring it out too. But I get afraid when we are in this reactive fear space with this stuff because we have never had a more powerful tool as a species. And regardless of how you choose to deal with it as a family, there's a reason why all of us are drawn to it the way that we are. And the potential that's inside of it is is bigger than I think really any of us can comprehend. I want to try to end this podcast with sort of the dilemma that I think is at the heart of all of this. Why all of this technology stuff and internet use and everything else is a dilemma that is difficult to solve and maybe even uh, an archetypal dilemma. Now, I don't know if this is exactly why my daughter is named Eden, but I, I like that she's named Eden for this reason. I've always been pretty interested in that story, and I'm not a Christian, FYI, but something about the story of the Garden of Eden that is that feels very essential to me about creation and new creatures and the human experience. And for those that are not familiar, in the Garden of Eden, that's where in the Bible, Adam and Eve came into being, and there is a tree of knowledge inside of the garden where you get knowledge of good and evil and let's just call it the tree of knowledge in general. And God's like, hey, don't eat the apples on the tree of knowledge. And then the snake says to Eve, like, hey, you could eat these apples. And, you know, like, why doesn't he want you to eat these apples? It's fine. Eve eats the apple, gives the apple to Adam as well. They eat it together. God is upset with them. But first ask them, did you eat from the tree of knowledge? To which they say no. And then God's like, you're lying. You're trying to hide your nakedness, blah, blah, blah. Let's now change that scenario and say that in this story metaphor were God and our children, children in general, are representing Adam and Eve. And the tree of knowledge is the internet. We are scared to let our children into this tree of knowledge. We're scared of what will happen to them if they take in information from this tree of knowledge that we don't think is appropriate. So we try to limit their access to it, but children find ways to get online to, and to uh, figure things out. Children are smart. There are a variety of apps you can get, by the way, where you can see whatever your child is doing online and all those kinds of things, which is like maybe helpful, maybe too intrusive. I don't know. But a lot of times children do get access to these things online. And because their search history is because there's apps and all these other things, parents can be in a position of knowing that their child has acquired knowledge from the internet somewhere that they didn't want them to acquire. And then a lot of parents then have the conversation with their child of like, hey, did you access this piece of information on the internet, on the tree of knowledge, which the child says no. And I'm trying to say is that's the same situation, dynamic, dilemma that God had with Adam and Eve that happens when you create a being. 
how soon is it appropriate for you to have access to this information? How soon is it appropriate for you to engage with the knowledge about the world and trying to limit their access to it until we think they've reached an appropriate level of maturity to be able to handle it? That's the heart of the dilemma with this stuff about technology. And at least for me, that story, that Garden of Eden story can provide some context of like, okay, this is it, an ancient dilemma of what it's like to create a being. And on that oddly biblical note, I will end this here episode of Playtime, Playful Parenting. Thank you for listening. It is always the deepest honor to be with you. If you'd like more of my content, go to partnerchildtherapy.com. If you, oh, my baby just started crying right as I'm finishing the podcast. Perfect. If you want to support the show, click the support the show link and you can support the show on Patreon. And yep, I will see you all next time. Bye.